0: The reading is taken from Exodus 12, verses 21 to 30. That's Exodus 12, 21 to 30, and it's on page 69 of the church Bibles. Then Moses summoned all the elders of Israel and said to them, Go at once and select animals for your families and slaughter the Passover lamb. Take a bunch of hyssop... Dip it into the blood in the basin, and put some of the blood on the top and on both sides of the doorframe. None of you shall go out of the door of your house until morning. When the Lord goes through the land to strike down the Egyptians, he will see the blood on the top and the sides of the doorframe, and will pass over that doorway, and he will not permit the destroyer to enter your houses and strike you down. Then the people bowed down and worshipped. The Israelites did just what the Lord commanded Moses and Aaron. At midnight, the Lord struck down all the firstborn in Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh, who sat on the throne, to the firstborn of the prisoner, who was in the dungeon, and the firstborn of all the livestock as well. Pharaoh and all his officials and all the Egyptians got up during the night And there was loud wailing in Egypt, for there was not a house without someone dead. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thank you, Terry, very much indeed. So, two disciples of Jesus trudging back from Jerusalem to Emmaus, dejected, numbed, confused by Jesus' brutal crucifixion and his speedy burial, and now news that his body has disappeared. A stranger joins them on the road and asks, "What what are you discussing? Why do you look so sad? The travelers cannot believe that this naive visitor doesn't know what's happening in Jerusalem, so they explain. It's a story of hopes that have been dashed. It's a story of crushing disappointment. But then the conversation takes the oddest turn. You'd expect the stranger to commiserate with them or to try and find out more about what's happened. Instead, the stranger gently rebukes them. He said to them, How foolish you are. How slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Now, we're going to cover the rest of that startling resurrection appearance after Easter. For now, we are zeroing in on this unforgettable seven-mile walk. All we know for sure is that Luke tells us that beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. And that in particular, Jesus' purpose was to show that his messianic suffering was necessary. It was foreseen. It was anticipated. It was a cost that he had embraced rather than a tragic misfire to end his promising life. So we're going to attempt to cover the most likely themes and passages that Jesus would have chosen, starting with the Passover lamb. Now you may be thinking, well, how can we be so confident that the Passover lamb would have been part of this overview that Jesus gives? Well, we have very strong evidence that the Passover was central to Jesus' understanding Of his suffering and death. He deliberately chose the backdrop of the sweeping Passover celebrations in Jerusalem for his final run-in with the authorities. Jesus chose a Passover meal as the time to tell his dearest friends that his imminent death was the unveiling of a new covenant, a new way of relating to God. And other New Testament writers pick up this theme. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 5, he says of Jesus that he is Christ, our Passover lamb. At the beginning of John's gospel, we hear John the Baptist proclaim Jesus as Jesus, lamb of God. In 1 Peter 1, we read the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. In Revelation 5, verse 6, you may remember, uh, we hear, Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain. So we need to remind ourselves what happened at the first Passover. We have to go back to Exodus, uh, for, to Terry's reading. We have the growing, often contrary family of Israel have now become a nation but in a foreign land, Egypt. The Exodus tells us the story of how God saves this enslaved, oppressed nation and then gives them the law to help them live distinctive and holy lives. And Moses stumbles out of his life of pampered luxury in Pharaoh's palace To be an unlikely and we have to admit it, unwilling leader of the Israelites. Let my people go, he thunders on repeat to Pharaoh. No, I will not, says Pharaoh. And so begins a ping pong of power and stubborn hearts. The Egyptians suffer a series of ever more devastating plagues. But still, Pharaoh will not yield. He will not let the people go. And so comes the great crisis. God directs the Israelites to use a young lamb as a sacrifice to save them from the fate of the death of their firstborn. They are to select a one-year-old male lamb in the prime of its life without defect, At twilight, the head of the household is to slaughter the lamb, being careful not to break its bones, then with hyssop to wipe the lamb's blood on the doorframe of the house. The lamb was to be quickly roasted and eaten. There wasn't time enough to let the bread rise to be cooked, so they ate unleavened bread instead. God's promise to the Israelites that night would be that because of the lamb's blood on the doorframes, the angel of death would pass over that house, and no further death would occur. The lamb had been killed to save the household of faith. This Passover meal, this memorial of rescue, became the key foundation of identity for the people of Israel, and it still is today. The special day, the the Pesach, The memory of freedom was used to retell this story of rescue. A child would ask at the meal, why is this night different from all the other nights? And the answer would come, because this is the night when our God, the Holy One, came down to Egypt. The Passover turned out for the people of Israel to be like a a birthday party, a space for God's people to remember Who they are, that they are loved and redeemed, and to remember that God wants them to be free. On the table right across the Mediterranean at the time of Jesus was unleavened bread and roast lamb and bitter herbs to capture the sorrow of slavery, but also cups of wine to thank God for freedom and life. The gospel writers are all clear that Jesus deliberately chose the Passover meal with his disciples to reveal what his death means. Jesus had just been to the temple. He'd overturned the tables of the money changers, essentially declaring the temple, the place of sacrifice, as now redundant. It's out of time. There they are sat together for the Passover meal in a specially prepared place. Jesus changes the words, but he keeps the unleavened bread and the wine. Take this bread and eat it, he says. But now it's my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me, he says. Egypt and an old slavery recedes. And in its place, It comes a greater vision, uh, freedom from our slavery to sin. Drink this, all of you, he says, taking the cup. It is the blood of the new covenant. It's shed for you, but it's also shed for many, for the forgiveness of sins. The Passover, Jesus is saying, was anticipatory. It pointed forwards to something deeper and greater and more real, Now, I don't know how Jesus got these points across. No one does. Tantalizingly, we just get a report that Jesus did this probably two-hour sermon, two-hour Bible view uh, to Cleopas and the other disciple. And so we have to sort of fill in and see uh, if we can imagine what he said But one possibility for part of that sermon was that Jesus drew their attention to the extraordinary timing and and overlapping similarities between the Passover as it happened and as it was then celebrated by the people and the tragedy of Holy Week that the disciples were still failing to resolve. So Jesus might have said to them, don't you recall that the sacrificial lamb, and you can read it in Exodus 12, don't you recall that the sacrificial lamb was to be selected on the 10th day of the month of Nisan? That was Sunday, just over a week ago for the disciples. What happened on that Sunday? That Sunday was the day that crowds of Israelite worshippers thronged the streets to proclaim, we found our king. Here he is, the true son of David. Don't you recall, says Jesus, potentially, that the sacrificial lamb was supposed to be chosen on that day, the very day that the crowds proclaim Jesus as king, the son of David. Have you considered, Jesus may have said, that the sacrificial lamb had to be a one-year-old male in the prime of its life without defect? Wasn't Jesus also in the prime of his life and without fault, without shame, wholly innocent of all the wrongdoing that was heaped upon him? Have you... Have you realized that, Jesus might have said, in all of the kerfuffle of what's happened? Doesn't it strike you, Jesus might have said, as incredible, that according to Moses, and again we can read it in Exodus 12, doesn't it strike you as incredible that according to Moses, the lamb was to be sacrificed at twilight on the 14th day of Nisan? Do you remember what day Jesus was killed? He was killed late in the day on the 14th of Nisan last week. Do you remember what time it was? It was 3 o'clock in the afternoon as the light began to fade. Jesus may have said, Have his friends told you what happened after he died? They broke the legs of the two men crucified either side of him, but they never broke his legs. Doesn't that remind you of the Passover lamb and God's command that not one of its bones was to be broken? The Passover in Egypt was a radical, wonderful act of costly liberation for the people of Israel. The lambs had to die, For the people to live. Something greater, truer, something perfect, Jesus might have said, has just happened right in front of you. What Jesus did wasn't for a people, it was for all people to show that God's rescue, God's redemption, God's revealing of his sacrificial love is being freely offered to all, that like the old covenant, it was always going to be sealed by an innocent's death. No wonder their hearts started to sing as they listened to Jesus on that road. We may have to work a little bit harder as the Passover is further away in time and in culture, but we can't miss God's purpose here. The first Passover revealed God's ironclad will to bring his people to a costly freedom. This new Passover, this new covenant, sees God himself become the sacrificial lamb. It is a gargantuan step up in the cost of the sacrifice. And it is an eternal loud hailer that echoes across history to all races and at all times. God chose death so that we can know life. Amen.